You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. All right. Welcome to Refrigerated Diaries, keeping the people engaged with the food. Share your stories, videos, let people know what's going on in your diary. So today we have a, a great guest here. Um, and before we go into it, I'm going to read read something that I, that I uh, read recently. Chef Omar... It's the best chef in Detroit, hands down. The tacos were absolutely amazing to die for. We cannot wait to order our next luncheon. Thank you, Twisted Mitten. And this is just one of the the restaurants you had. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but before I went on my journey to um, acquire a food truck and, and launch and open a food truck of my own, you were one of the first people... Uh, that I talked to, and you you had quite a lot of advice to give me. Actually, yeah, I do. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So what, what got you into food? Uh, did you start all your life? Was it something you started after working professionally? Like what? what, what? Um, I, you know, I was a child that I wanted to be uh, a chef. It was one of those things where you learned uh, that food has an innate ability to connect to an emotion. Um, you know, for everybody, there's there's something that, that when they smell a certain thing or they see a cupcake, it reminds them of their mom or their grandmother or their sister or that favorite meal that just takes you back to, you know, when you were a child. And so those emotions, um, be it some of them good, some of them bad, food just, it connects to everything, especially in my culture, you know, everything revolves around food. Uh, you know, and I grew up with, in my parents' restaurant, uh, started washing dishes and it built character that I would do that after school and kind of worked my way up from there. Is that how you got an allowance or is, was that just what you had to do? allowance <laughs> no that's just what you had to do uh, you know the family business so it, it's it's really cool that if you learn um there are a lot of cultures where families that own restaurants their kids kind of grow up in the restaurant like where do they go after school they go to the restaurant and so when you're growing up and you idolize your parents and you and you want to be like them and you see them doing stuff you're like oh i can do that let me do that you know, I remember a couple of years back, even my nephew was like, I'm going to be a chef when I grow up, like Uncle Omar, you know? Yeah. That's really, really cool to hear, you know? It is. What was the first thing that you made that cemented you into this lifestyle? Oh, man. Uh, I actually started in pastry. And so, for me, it was one night where a cook didn't show up and they're like, Hey, Omar, hop on the grill. And I had no clue what I was doing. And the printer kept spitting out tickets mm-hmm. and I was just like a deer in headlights. But I remember that day extremely vividly. And it was something as simple as just making hamburgers. But the Russian adrenaline of, of, of that night, I never went back to doing pastry again. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> so you like the thrill <laughs> of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was, um, when I was 17 coming into the college at, at Wayne, I, I worked on the, uh, the cafeteria in our cafeteria dorm as a freshman. I, I was in the pizza station and, uh, eventually mm-hmm. after I got like a little promotion and ended up like moving out of the cafeteria and into like the grill, it was like higher pay, more hours. Uh, and you know, we, they, we closed it down at 11. It was like a, an on-campus county. I, I think that, yeah, I feel you like the adrenaline because it, it is kind of like you're, you know, you're moving, you, you kind of feel alive at that point. You know, I, I also sweat a lot. <laughs> so it's like, Oh, I feel like. I'm yeah. Alive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when you, when you work in fast food, uh, you know, the thrill of, for me, I remember one of my first jobs was at Burger King and it was like, Oh, speed of service, speed of service. And it was a game for us. I think we were, at one point in time, we were like the third Burger King in the country uh, in speed of service. We could have a car in and out of the drive-thru in under 12 seconds. And it was fun to us. It's like, hurry up, you know? Yeah. So, so how long have you been in the industry? Since I was, I mean, I started doing dishes at like 12, 13 at the parents' restaurant. And um, so pretty much since then, I took a hiatus a little bit, uh, you know, after college, but I've always been cooking. Cooking has always been something I've done. Yeah. Okay. I got you. One of the things that we like to to get into is just like the origins, like the why, the reasons. Um, yeah. When we first spoke about um, getting a food truck, you gave me some solid advice, and it's one that I, I still hold uh, near and dear. You said, "Don't grow too fast." You were very serious about that. I think you said it more than once to me. Like you know, take the time to grow. And that's not some, you know, people are always telling you to go, go, go. No one's ever telling you to slow down, you know, like we're not putting Kanye on and telling you to drive slow. <laughs> we, it's fast. Yeah. Only. And, and you have to walk before you run. And that's like the, the biggest mistake I ever made in my business, you know, because people know me as the food truck guy and they're like, they don't know me necessarily as the chef. They know me as the guy that has a bunch of food trucks. And so it's one of those things where, yeah, it's great to be known as that guy. However, if I could go back and do it all over again, it would just be one truck. And there's countless chefs that would tell you the same thing, uh, you know, and even chefs that have been on top chefs and all these other things. And they've opened 10, 15, 20 restaurants because investors come out of the woodwork when they see you doing well. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned from a very good friend of mine that a true genius can only do two things at once and be extremely successful. And I am far from being a true genius. So mm-hmm. focusing on one thing and doing it right and doing it better than anybody else is better than that shotgun approach method, in my opinion. Uh, you know, and even when you do the same thing over and over again and duplicate it, you can only be in one place at a time. So if you don't have the proper systems in place, especially in the food industry where everything is a matter of pennies, you know, yeah, no, you'll, you'll end up losing, losing it yourself. So yeah, sometimes I mean, the stress just isn't worth it, you know? Yeah. So like, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's do, let's uh, pull a layer back here. Like you, you started off before food trucks as a chef. Where, <laughs> where have you worked? What were some of the things you were doing? 
Um, so, you know, we started as, as Kais Truck. Um, this was way back in the day, and uh, we were opening Grand Rapids, and we'd get shut down every other day by the police. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, back then, there was nowhere in Michigan where food trucks were really allowed, and the culture didn't exist. It was more of an East Coast, West Coast type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from there, we kind of expanded, and I wanted to do some barbecue, so we opened Grill Billy's. And we had Fat Panda, uh, which was the Asian fusion stuff. Um, we recently sold that truck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're planning to do, the brick and mortar on Gratiot has. Okay, um, congratulations, by the way. Yeah. Thank that's you, very, thank you. So we just, uh, those of you that don't ahead. know, uh, Omar is uh, actually not on site with us. He's calling in because he's getting ready for a couple of things. Uh, getting ready for Electric Forest, uh, which he'll be at. Uh, and we'll go into a little bit of what that means uh, later in the episode. And he's also going to be, or uh, will be, uh, opening up a new restaurant here on Gratiot, uh, pending uh, inspection, which was today, right? Uh, the inspection was actually for another new restaurant we're oh, okay. opening in Allendale, Michigan, which is uh, on the campus of Grand Valley State University. So. Oh wow! Okay, see. Well, yeah, the inspection went great. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Now, like, as you're sitting here telling the audience, myself, and everyone listening, that it makes more sense to go slow. I I see you kind of ramping back up because you you downsized, right? You like sold yeah, sold so some assets, and now you're we, expanding. We scaled back in that. Instead of the five, six concepts, I'm now running the one truck um, and focusing on that truck being extremely successful rather than the five or six. And so what I've learned is you can ramp up when you have the right team in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have the right team in place, it's very easy to ramp up. However, if you don't have the right pieces in place, that's when things start to fall apart. And, uh, you know, I learned that doing things with the right people is, I guess, you know, it's, it's really tough to explain, but um, for example, electric forest, I will only be at electric forest, maybe four of the eight days. Um, and the reason I can do that is because chef Reese, who will be helping out is somebody that I can lean on 110%. I can walk away. I know his standards are exacting. I know that he is just as passionate about food as I am, if not more. And the saying of surround yourself with people that are better than you at what you do is extremely, extremely true. Like, you know, a lot of chefs have chips on their shoulders and think that, you know, they're the best chef ever. You gotta and, be. You, you know, be. nobody does. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just I, I will joking. tell you 110% Reese is a better chef than me. He is phenomenal he's an amazing guy and the fact that i can walk away from from electric forest where you know you're doing thousands of sales a day and i know that everything will come out perfectly that's a peace of mind i've never had before so yeah and a lot of people don't know i mean like typically and we'll we'll break it down here and you can correct me if i'm wrong right so Electric forest, they take about 30% of the gross, right? Is that how it works? Or is it a, a fee that you pay? Um, yeah, so there's a fee that you pay, um, you know, and then there's a bunch of fees on top of that. So you got to pay your deposit. 
Um, and then you pay to have your electrical brought in, depending on how many how much electric you need. Um, you pay for your containers and stuff, and you buy that from Electric Forest. And it's kind of their way of stopping people from screwing the system. Uh, so what people... So basically, all the containers are counted before and after the events. They know how much the sales were. Um, and then there's the 30% of gross that they also take. And so what you'll see is, you know, at any festival or fair, your price point's going to be pretty high, um, higher than what you would normally expect. But you have to be able to have a product that has a lower food cost because, you know, that inflation is where you make, where you're automatically, for every $10 item, you're automatically lost $3. Plus, Uncle Sam wants his 6%, plus, plus, plus. And if your food cost is, is up around 30%, you're no longer making any money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the bottom line of it, right? And this this goes beyond, this is just a merchant, right? Like, when we we break down the economies of scale and the very reason why an individual goes into business uh, we, we start to break into the psychological aspect of what it, it really means to be a chef, right? A chef that goes into business is in the same right and respect, still the same guy who is working a line or working a, a sous or working a dead cuisine or, or making the executive title gains uh, in the wee hours of the night. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the bare minimum function, no matter that role, is to transact hashtag transact right hashtag twisted mid and hashtag transact and so uh, i get these questions a lot you know like why like why don't you do this or why why don't you do this or you know like this you should check out this type of um you know event and at, at the end of the day you know the very reason why i open up those doors on that food truck every day is to make the maximum amount of transactions that I can at the highest average price that I can with the least amount of labor that it would cost me. Um, and, you know, right. sustainably so, and, but you, you've and got the same thing. And that goes back thing. to our food culture as well. So when you look at food trucks here, let's say in Detroit, and uh, food trucks are so new here. We don't completely have the culture. And coordinators, they charge quite a pretty high penny to do events here. Um, and you see that. Like, when I started doing campus marshes years ago, it was $25 a day, and that was it. And now you're looking at, I don't even know what the fees are up to now, but you have a $500 annual permit fee. You have a fire marshal inspection fee. You have uh, the the weekly fees are way higher than $25 a day now. Um, and so when you look at the quality of food that comes off the trucks, it's completely different than what you would get in New York or DC. But the cool thing is, is it's bringing in this culture. Um, and so for, for, for me, there's like two ways you can look at food off of a food truck. There's the guys that are doing the street food, you know, you're, you're down home, Jamaican jerk chicken on, on some jalapeno rice. It's, it's like, you know, that's what you would find on the streets in Jamaica. Right. And then there's the guys who are 
more of what you'll find in LA or, you know, New York, where it's like chefs who can't afford the prices of a brick and mortar and they can't afford the renovations of that building, et cetera, et cetera. And so what they do is they open up a food truck and their price points are a little bit higher. And you have, you know, food trucks that are doing lobster rolls for 20 bucks. And, mm-hmm. and that's completely different than the food that you and I do, you know? And, oh, yeah. you know, there are chefs, people understand they get really upset when I turn down events and I'm like, you know, I'm not like the other food trucks. I don't, all my food's prepared from scratch. And so for me, the the simplest thing like making falafel is a two day process. I bring in my chickpeas from Onondaga, Michigan. They have to be soaked overnight. The next day they have to be ground and seasoned. And, and so, you know, it's, I can't, it's not just a powder in a box that I get pick up at GFS and add some water and I can plop it in my fryer. I know that's what a lot of people do. They buy their falafel pre-made or they'll buy a dough mix pre-made, but we do it from scratch. And so it's completely different for us than it is for the other guy, you know? No, absolutely. I agree. I agree. So we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to go into a little bit about what it means, refrigerated diaries behind the food. All right. Welcome back to our refrigerator diaries, keeping the people engaged with the food, share your stories, videos, music topics. You want your music featured during our breaks? Go ahead and let us know. If you want us to tell a funny story about something that you've got going on again, go ahead and let us know before we get into it. I just want to go ahead and read a uh, quick uh, message from one of our sponsors. If you can't seem to stay ahead of your bills, then this message is for you. How would you like to have a large portion of your credit card debts, medical bills, and department store debt forgiven? National Credit Card Relief would like to give you free information on Proven Debt Forgiveness Program. This program has been used by thousands to legally forgive millions in unsecured debt. It's not bankruptcy. It's not consolidation. This special program actually wipes clean a portion of your debt that is forgotten, forgiven, excuse me, from what you owe your creditors. Call free for information and get all your questions answered in the first free call. The more you owe, the more you can save. Uh, if you have at least 10000 or more in credit card bills, this debt forgiveness program can be very effective. Call for free information and find out more now. 800-218-7170. There is no cost or obligation for the information. Don't wait to call. 800-218-7170. That's 800-218-7170. Get your debt problem solved. Call 800-218-7170 today. So we're back here on Refrigerated Diaries, jumping in with Omar, Chef Omar from the Twisted Mitten. And uh, we're going to jump right into it here. Um, so first things first, you know, this is Refrigerated Diaries. Each one of our guests sends us a picture of their refrigerator from the night before. I'll uh, be waiting for that email from Omar to include in our uh, email that comes out uh, to keep you updated here. Um, Omar, what is yes. in your kitchen at home? What do you what do you got? In, if I were to open your cupboards right now, what what am I going to see? We're going to see a picture of your oh, fridge. Man. So that's I the dry am one storage. of those people that really enjoys cooking for others more than I enjoy cooking for myself. 
I'm a really simplistic eater. Um, I, my cup, my dry cupboards, you're going to find a lot of ramen. You're going to find a lot of rice, beans, um, that type of stuff. And then in the fridge, you know, a couple of proteins. I also shop very sparsely. I'll buy what I'm going to eat for the next day or two. Every day on the way home, I'll stop at the grocery and grab, you know, a couple of chicken thighs and, uh, you know, couple bell peppers or whatever I need. So my refrigerator is typically pretty empty with the exception of like, you know, some fermented products that we, that I'll bring home from the restaurant and mm-hmm. kind of keep at home for, for snacking. Yeah. Anytime I go to someone's house and I know that they work in a kitchen or they cook or they're in the restaurant industry, I always take a peek around to see if they got something going on with the good stuff. I mean, it's it's going to be pickle. I mean, I, I've got courtesy of my aunt here, uh, mint jelly that is just at the oh, nice. refrigerator. I'm coming over later today. Hey, you know, we, we put lamb shank on the truck this recently. Uh, we're going <laughs> to we're playing some games with it. Um, so awesome. let, let's get into some unsung heroes here. Uh, product test drive kitchen gadgets. My unsung hero and I. I know there's so many more advancements that are inside the industry, but I appreciate a potato peeler or just a vegetable peel in general. I go through so many carrots, so many potatoes. I don't know what I would do if I had to do that with a knife by hand. I mean, obviously I could do it, but (laughs) it's a lot simpler. Oh, yeah. For me, ah, man, it's a pop-up between two, but I'm going to have to go with, and most cooks and chefs are do not like this piece of equipment, but for me, I love it. I, You know, you, you're brought up in school, like knife skills, knife skills, knife skills, knife skills, but in reality, when you're trying to prep hundreds of pounds of potatoes, are you going to sit there and peel those things by hand? No. You're going you're gonna to pop your peeler out, but for me, it's the mandolin. Oh. I can't live without mine. <laughs> You know, a lot of people have, it's taken a fingertip or two over the last, you know, decade, but it's taken a lot of money and, and, you know, employees constantly cut themselves and you, even though you give them a half hour speech, but I can't live without the mandolin. So for those of you that don't know what a mandolin is, it is shaped like a guillotine and designed <laughs> to get the thinnest slice of whatever you put in there. If you want those uh, crispy potato chips handmade use a mandolin and use the safety guard so you don't lose your fingertips <laughs> or if you don't like the guard get yourself a cut resistant glove <laughs> absolutely yeah so i actually in working at roast uh many many years ago i cut my finger and uh chef andy holiday comes up to me he's like don't you know what the palm method is i'm like what are you talking about chef so let me show you and so, you know, when you hold something with the with your fingertips, typically when you're using mandolin, that's how everybody cuts themselves. Well, he very graciously showed me that you can't really cut the palm of your hand on a mandolin. So if you palm something and use your palm to hold it in place and put pressure up against the board of it as you slice back and forth, it is extremely safe. I haven't used a garden years, but nevertheless. Yep, yep. This is like those conversations where you've got a motorcyclist that doesn't wear the helmet 
and you've got the motorcyclist that does wear the helmet. Um, both yeah. are completely good in my book. <laughs> Man- <laughs> Mandolin being the motorcycle, but <laughs> we'll, we'll jump in. So, uh, one of the things that comes up quite a bit, uh, with the, the restaurant industry, at least, you know, wh- when I'm out, I, and Detroit's bar scene has been emerging just as, as quickly and as, as prosperously as, uh, Detroit's food scene. So, you know, I, the term, I think it's called when in Rome. Um, I, you know, when in Lagos. <laughs> so, uh, that is to say that chefs, bartenders, bartenders know how to order the best drink. Chefs know how to order the best food. Um, the art of getting what you want, how to order with satisfaction. Um, why do we go into that? Do you, how do you, when you go to a restaurant, what do you look at? Do you look at price? Do you look at the menu item itself? Are you like thinking, I know what it takes to make this? I, based off of this price, it doesn't make sense. Or, you know, what, what's and going on? For me, I, you know, my accountant yelled at me last year. He said, Omar, do you want to know where all your profits are? I was like, where's that? He goes, you eat out too much. You are constantly eating at restaurants. I'm like, yeah, if I hear about a dish that I've never had before, I'm like, ooh, that's really unique. I'm going to go try that. So typically when I'm out at a restaurant, I'm looking at the menu for the weirdest possible thing or thing that I have not had before, and that's typically what I order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see. Well, I, I got to say I'm I'm the same way, and... One day in life, yeah. I mean, this was one of the things, right? When I was coming up, I, I want to cook food. I all I want to do at the end of the day is just cook food. And you know, despite what everything else from like running the truck and you know trying to operate and, and doing the podcast, like at the end of the day, the, the most satisfaction I get is from cooking food. You know, and I don't want to do any of the other stuff. If I could just cook food and and successfully, like you know driving a Rolls Royce or something. I, I would do that, <laughs> but, but I, that isn't the case. The next thing I would do is just eat constantly. Like I, I would, I, I run and try to work out so I can eat <laughs> like anything. Like I, I just had jollof rice with Cheez-Its the other day and it was fantastic. <laughs> it was magnificent. <laughs> I had a fried egg on top of it. I loved it. So what is the what is the most recent thing that you you've ordered with satisfaction? Oh man, um, I actually recently it was a good month ago um, went to a barbecue competition, and it's funny I learned about the uh, uniqueness of parquet in bar in the bar competition barbecue world, but there was a catering from felony provisions, which is, uh, Jason Osborne's company. Mm -hmm. And, um, they do charcuterie from scratch and lacto fermented stuff. And for those people that don't know what lacto fermentation is, uh, back in the day when people made pickles, they didn't use vinegar. It was just salt and water and let it ferment until you had a pickle. Well, they had these pickled walnuts and I know it sounds stupid, but that's probably the best thing I've put in my mouth in the last five years. I see. I see. 
Well, I don't think I've gotten anything compared to that. Like usually when I see, <laughs> I mean, hey, when I see something fermented and pickled, I tend to just keep it in the jar. Um, so uh, that that's it for time. Uh, we're going to cut there. Uh, is there anything that you'd like our audience to know? Uh, look for you at Electric Forest. Um, check a snack out for the Twisted Mitten. When is the new restaurant opening? Uh, get it all out there. Yeah, so the new restaurant will be a slider bar. We're opening up in Allendale, Michigan, 48 West. Um, you know, follow the Twisted Mitten on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff. And uh, give us a shout out and come visit. And, and uh, make sure you also check out uh, Godwin's truck. Yum Village Food Truck, shout out. Awesome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being on. Thanks for being on. Uh, we'll see you guys next time on Refrigerator Diaries.